0: The Old Testament reading for this, the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the fifth chapter. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. He will command his angels concerning you. To guard you in all your ways. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all bless his holy name. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, the third chapter. And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus said, Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard. They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. And this is the gospel of our Lord. To you, o Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When you think about love songs, You usually think of those sugary-sweet teeny-bopper tunes where everything is just fantastic and the fun will never end. He saw her face, and now he's a believer. ooh oo he looks just like Buddy Holly, and she's Mary Tyler Moore. He's never going to give you up, never going to let you down. Boy meets girl, love ensues, And they live happily ever after, despite all the odds. Every obstacle is overcome, and nothing can come between them. But not every love song has a happy ending. There are those where things just don't work out. Love is unrequited, circumstances beyond their control interfere, and things just don't come together the way you think they should. The George Jones ballad, He Stopped Loving Her Today, Joy Divisions, Love Will Tear Us Apart, and whatever song Taylor Swift is going to write about Travis Kelsey. (laughs) From Leader of the Pack to Where, Oh, Where Can My Baby Be, there have been some real tear-jerkers of tragic love songs, but none of them hold a candle in the wind to the song we hear from the Old Testament reading today. God himself says, Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. Sure, that doesn't sound much like a top 40 hit today, but look at the dedication and the devotion that we see here. This man compares his beloved to a vineyard, a beautiful, lush, Orchard on the perfect soil. He works tirelessly to give it everything that it needs, tilling the soil, clearing the stones, planting only the best of the best grapevines. He puts sturdy walls around it to protect it, watches over it day and night from the watchtower that he himself built. He carves a wine vat out of the rock of the hill, makes everything absolutely perfect. This is a labor of love for him. This is his life's work, and he has invested everything that he has, money and time and blood, sweat and tears. This vineyard means absolutely everything to him as he loves and nurtures and provides for its every single need. And so when harvest time comes around, he joyfully awaits a glorious harvest. He anticipates celebrating the choicest, sweetest fruit ever. All of his love and effort is going to literally come to fruition as his vineyard produces clusters of the finest grapes known to man. But what does it produce instead? He looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Wild grapes. Sour, bitter, tiny little fruit. Worthless produce that is no better than what you could glean from the craggy hills that surrounded the vineyard. All of his love, all of his devotion, all of his effort and dedication were for nothing. As his beloved refused his tenderness and just collapsed into the rugged and fruitless growth of the wilderness that it was surrounded by. Farmers and gardeners, how would you feel if you bought the finest, most expensive seed, worked the soil perfectly, watered and weeded and watched for the whole growing season, sat there day and night, chased away every single deer and rabbit, poured your whole heart, every ounce of effort, every minute of your time into your crop, only to have it produce nothing but ragweed and thistles how would you react? Would you have a few choice words for your crop? Would you look to sue the seed company? Would you feel anger and frustration that you had such high expectations, had spent so much money, had wasted so much time, only to wind up with less than nothing to show for it? This is the anger and frustration that God feels in this love song. He had done everything for his people, had protected them, guided them, guarded them. He watched over them day and night, blessed them beyond imagination, gave them everything that they needed and far, far more. He invested all his time pulling the weeds of wickedness, pruning away the dead branches of disbelief, watering the vineyard with his righteous word. God had done absolutely everything for his people, and they should have produced glorious grapes, should have reciprocated his love, should have walked by his word and produced the fruit of righteousness that he had laid out before them. But instead, they are greedy, selfish, hateful. They are not satisfied with what God has given them, so they cheat and lie and steal to get more. They look to the wicked ways of the world around them and say, now that's how we want to live. We don't want God and his stuffy old ways. We don't need anyone pruning us, telling us we're wrong. We want to grow wild and free like everybody else. They despised the vineyard that God had given. them. They despised God himself and they rejected his selfless love Choosing their own way instead. And so the song takes a dark turn. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. The vineyard that God loved so much, that He had poured Himself into so much, that He had given everything to make so fine and beautiful and fruitful, He will now destroy. He will withdraw His protection. He will let the wild animals and weeds have their way with it. He will let it dry up and die. He will let it fall to the wilds, becoming a ruin that nobody would ever have suspected had been such a lush vineyard. That which he loved so much, but which refused to love him in return, he will leave behind and turn his back on. Why? Why would God be so cruel? Why would God do something so destructive, so extreme to those that he loved so much? Well, because it's what we want. Yes, we, not they. We are the vineyard. You and I are the ones that God has given so much, but we have refused to produce fruit. God gave us everything, but we instead wanted to be like the wild thorns of the world. God provided the best soil with his word, and we instead plant ourselves in the rocky sand of false teachings. God made us a healthy vine, able to produce the glorious fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But instead, we produce the bitter, thorny weeds of the world. Hatred, bloodlust, resentment, anger, greed, selfishness, violence, lust, self-indulgence, everything else that goes against the word and the will of the Lord. He gave us everything, and we gave him nothing. We rejected his gracious gifts, spit in his face, and sought the ways of the world instead of the ways of righteousness. We arrogantly tell God that we don't need him. We don't want him interfering in our lives. We say that we would rather be left to the wilds than have to put in any effort at all. So we want God to just go away see, the tragedy of this love song, it's not that God is fickle. It's not that God is cruel or vindictive. The tragedy is that we reject his astounding, overflowing, undeserved love. He gives us everything, and we say that's not enough. He dedicates himself to us, and we tell him to stay out of our lives. He provides all that we have and we give thanks to everyone and everything except for him. And so God gives us what we want. He withdraws his hand of protection. He shows us what life would be like without him. How much heartache and pain and suffering and chaos there would truly be. He takes down the hedge of protection that he has built around us and leaves us to be trampled by the wild animals and the weeds of the world. Not because he's cruel. Not to gleefully punish us and get revenge upon us. God, who is patient beyond measure, reluctantly leaves us to the perils and suffering that we say we would prefer in the hopes that we would wake up and return to him you can tell a child over and over and over not to play with fire, but sometimes the lesson only sets in when they burn themselves. And yet, despite all of our hatred, despite our stubbornness and our stupidity, despite our rejection of God's love, God continues to sing. For those who hear the song and repent, For those who recognize just how awful the ways of our wicked hearts truly are, it is never too late. And we are never too far gone. Because no matter how deep our sin might be, God's love is deeper. No matter how far we've run from God, He is still always there with us. No matter how guilty we are, how tangled in the snares of the devil, how wretched and filthy and disgusting we are, Our loving Heavenly Father still loves us, still calls out to us, still cleanses us of all our sin. He doesn't just demand our love with threats of destruction, saying, Love and obey me or I will destroy you. No, He puts His love into action. His love is so deep that He didn't just invest a bunch of time and sweat equity into our lives. He sacrificed everything. He laid down his perfect and eternal life upon the cross to redeem you from sin, death, and the devil. He gave up everything to break the chains of slavery that bound you, to set you free, to open the gates of heaven to you who didn't deserve it at all. He has crushed the ancient serpent's head and has snatched you out of the fires of hell. He's done everything for you. And even when you don't appreciate it, he continues to provide for all your needs of body and soul. That's the love that God has for you. And he doesn't do it based on how good the fruit is that we produce in our lives. Because if that were the case, we would all be lost. Yes, we are called to live by his word. But when we do so, we ourselves are blessed. He doesn't just give us some arbitrary rules to see if we'll actually obey him, even though they're no fun at all. He loves us enough to bless us with his law, which protects us from the heartache and degradation and pain that sin wants to dump into our lives. And as we produce the good fruit that he has intended for us, we proclaim his love to the world that needs it just as much as we do. We proclaim that God loves them, has created them, has given them everything. And they too should continue to receive his eternal blessings. And we do it not reluctantly, not under threat of destruction, but joyfully, eagerly, boldly proclaiming our love for him in everything that we do and think and say. We have heard his songs of love. We have seen all that he has done for us. He has shown us by his word what is good and right and salutary. And we now want to live under his ways. We want to proclaim his love to all. Because he loves us. And we know it. His song for us is love unknown, unimaginable, undeserved. And despite your guilt, despite your tendency to produce awful fruit... By his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.